0: The first degree. first degree, first degree, first degree, first degree, first degree, first degree, the first degree. You see it on the news, you see it on the paper, you see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
1: It's so crazy how so many people know of them or who they are or might know them personally but don't know what they do. You can know these people but not know them and that's scary.
2: Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Viannick, and I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter. It is early today. We are recording real bright and early. How are we feeling?
0: I'm feeling good. I've got a coffee here, which is probably a mistake. Wait. I don't drink coffee. coffee. (laughs) Yeah, I don't drink coffee. Matt left it here, and I'm like, I'm going to experiment, and it's probably going to be a mistake, but like, I was feeling a little (laughs) groggy this morning, so I needed to feel like- alive. Like my heart was palpitating, and that I could punch through walls. So, this is what I'm doing. Hopefully, it works. I love that for you. I, it always shocks me every time because I forget that you don't drink coffee
2: pretty much constantly. So, yeah. it's a shock every time I learn about it. It's like 51st dates over and over and over again. That's right. Learn- Learning that fact. Um, do you want to know what day it is today? Please tell me. Okay, so today is August 3rd, and there's a lot of days. It's National Watermelon Day. I love watermelon. And I feel like nothing better than on a hot August day to eat some
0: watermelon. Put a little salt on there, a little lime juice. Ooh, yeah. Make a little salad with some burrata and some mint. Mm, Or like a little feta cheese and a balsamic.
2: Jeez. Oh, that sounds so good. And then the other day that I love is grab some nuts day okay so Alexis that's enough of that
0: I think that's enough of that (laughs) so let's turn on the lights and turn up your anxiety because this could be you When FX's Sons of Anarchy debuted in 2008, the TV series sparked an undeniable pop culture phenomenon. At the time, relatively little was known about the elusive world of biker clubs. The show, a drama, depicted struggles within the group as it relates to moral dilemmas and how they straddled their club obligations against their personal and familial ones, Many think that Sons of Anarchy's themes went beyond the premise of just an outlaw motorcycle gang, but it also dabbled in subjects of brotherhood, mercy, camaraderie, betrayal, and of course, violence, casual violence, the kind of cavalier violence associated with organized organizations that have the trappings of, it's not personal, it's just business, with a code of conduct that simply demands violence without question when you break the rules. It's cut and dry, it's without feelings and without hesitation. The thing is, Sons of Anarchy is fiction. It's fiction. It's fake blood. It's makeup. It's really excellent writing. And in the drama version, no one really leaves the set in a body bag. And of course, it's Charlie Hunnam as Jacks Teller. It's not a real outlaw. But the reality of biker clubs is a dark one. A world you'll learn about firsthand in today's episode.
2: So today's case takes us back to June 30th of 2015. The top song in the charts was See You Again by Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth. And the number one alternative hit at the time was Renegades by X Ambassadors, which is a song that both Alexis and I love. Love. A fun fact they did an article, I think it was for Rolling Stone. And they said I was the reason that they got their big break because I put them on a Spotify
0: playlist. (laughs) I love that. And I love them. And I love that they're doing car commercials and making that money now. Oh my God, make that publishing money. So That's the top right. movies were Inside
2: Out and Jurassic World. And it is also worth mentioning that all seven seasons of Sons of Anarchy had aired, concluded, and had been consumed by the masses, with the final episode concluding on December of 2014.
0: Right. And the setting for today's case is the beautiful Pacific Northwest, the greater Portland area to be more specific. So I was living in Gresham, Oregon. Grisham is immediately east of Portland, Oregon, and 12 miles from downtown Portland proper. And the voice you just heard? That's our first degree, Haley, who was working as a dancer in 2015.
1: I was actually a dancer, stripper at the time. So I was working at a club in southeast Portland. I was working a day shift for one of my friends. He was a DJ, and he needed a few girls because day shifts aren't very popular. So I was like, you know what, I'll do it, no problem. And since I was day there was no official music, so I just kinda had to do it on the Jeepbox by myself. So I was in there playing some good old classic hits and I put on Fat Bottom Girls. Haley did a solid for a friend of hers and agreed to work the day shift. When
2: she walked up to the jukebox, she chose a crowd pleaser, some iconic queen, because who doesn't love fat-bottomed girls? One of my favorites. And the answer is everybody. Everybody also loves that song, especially a man who was at the bar that day who watched Haley as she selected the song and it started to play. And Haley noticed.
1: I turned around and he was standing right behind me. And he's like, that is such a good song good choice. And that's kind of how the conversation started. We started talking about music and just kind of joking with each other. He came over to my stage set and sat with me while I danced. And afterwards, we got a drink, sat at a table and talked for,
0: what, an hour and a half, at least. So you're probably wondering, who exactly was this mysterious Queen fan?
1: His name is Chad Erickson. When he walked in the club, he was wearing his vest with his patch on it. So I knew immediately that he was affiliated with somebody. He is a member of the Biker Club Gypsy Jokers. I didn't know who they were. I knew of different ones like Hell's Angels and you know, the very popular, the ones we put in the movies. And then I quickly found out that they have affiliates all over the world. I just never heard of them.
0: He was Chad Leroy Erickson. And if you're wondering what the Gypsy Jokers are, well, if you didn't guess, it's a biker club. The Gypsy Joker Outlaw Motorcycle Club was founded in San Francisco on April Fool's Day of 1956. Following their inception, they became one of the most notorious and violent outlaw clubs in America. However, the Hell's Angels would be bigger and badder, exceeding the violent force of the Gypsy Joker Outlaws and ultimately forcing them out of the Bay Area. However, the Gypsy Joker Outlaws maintained branches across the state's and internationally gypsy jokers of the pacific northwest call themselves
2: a one percent bike club but contrary to how it sounds the title has little to do with their tax brackets instead it references an old motorcyclist maxim that 99 percent of bikers abide by the law while the other one percent are outlaws they have pride in this and stitching one percent patches on their jackets or etching it on their bodies in the form of tattoos is the norm
0: The phrase the brothers of this elusive motorcycle club live and die by is, once a joker, always a joker, till the day you die. But here's the thing. Haley didn't know any of this at the time. What she saw was a handsome, kind and engaging man in a vest with patches on it. And this vest meant something. And locals seemed to be well aware of the implications.
1: They were nervous when we would pull up on the bike with the patch, yes. Yes. But when they saw him talking to me or anybody around him, it wasn't the same. They would still want to approach and talk unless he talked to them. But yeah, I guess it was a general public respect thing. People just knew who they were and what they did. Haley learned
2: the basics in terms of Chad's club affiliation. But he was vague and he told her it was better to not ask questions. The less she knew, the better. But we're going to give you the rundown. So the patches that Haley saw in Chad's vest, the adornments are called cuts or colors. Usually it's a leather vest with a patch depicting the club emblem, which is a court jester known as Simon.
0: Right. And the Simon the Jester patch is then surrounded by other patches. One is called a top rocker, and that bears the words Gypsy Joker. And the bottom rocker is identifying the nationality of the member, Germany, Australia, USA, etc. And these rockers are thin, curved, horizontal patches that surround the Joker emblem on the top and the bottom. So these symbols on these vests act similarly to that of military uniforms, denoting rank, special standing, and beyond. Tattoos that members receive held similar significance as well.
1: We didn't really talk about the club to begin with, we were just talking to each other. He was very lighthearted. He always had a smile on his face, always joking. Most of his personality was super lighthearted, jokey. He was never really serious, and that kind of caught my attention because he was really easy to talk to, nothing intimidating about him. Something else to know about
2: these motorcycle
1: clubs is that they were run with precise
2: organization. We're talking individual chapters, multiple cities, especially across Oregon and Washington. Each of these chapters had officers, including a president, vice president, treasurer, sergeant-at-arms, and beyond. The chapters ultimately fell under the authority of the national president, who was dubbed with the nickname
0: The Wiz. And the Jitsi Joker Outlaws wasn't an organization that just anyone could join. There were rules. There were criteria. Members had to be over 21 years old. And let's just say that white supremacist sentiment ran high throughout the group's ideology. No minorities were permitted to join. And you couldn't be connected to anyone in law enforcement either. You had to be a straight white man, so no women, obviously. And another thing: members were not allowed to be intravenous drug users. Oh, and there was one more: members needed to own and ride an American-made motorcycle. He
1: would pick me up on the motorcycle. I had my own helmet. He brought me. It was very exciting. Like once he showed me how to, like you know, straddle it, get on, you know, swing your leg over and get on without looking all funny. <laughs> it was it. it was it was so exciting. They would cut lanes on the highway, which was very terrifying. But, you know, the wind in your hair going on, like, the highway and everything, it was so fun, so exciting.
2: It was these moments, the idyllic ones where Haley was on Harley, holding tightly onto Chad, that were the seductive ones. Beyond the vest and the bike and the illicit world, she had no idea what was going on
0: behind the scenes. But something else to know. Members of the Gypsy Joker Outlaws took club matters very seriously, And why was that? Well, it was because it was very hard to become a member. Would-be members needed to go through what was called a prospecting period, which was like a violent and illegal version of rushing for a fraternity or sorority. Once you're a prospective member, you're basically someone's bitch. It's a hazing period when you're putting yourself at extreme risk and in dangerous situations without so much as a guarantee that you'll actually even be voted in as a member at the end. Prospects
2: were required to assist members with all of the club activities, particularly the illegal ones. Prospects had to wear vests, which made it very clear that they were the bottom rung of the totem pole. And they had to be prospects for six months and attend a meeting in each of the club's chapters. And when it's time to decide if they're in or they're out, they needed a 100% support from the members of the chapter that they're vying to join. Once someone becomes a member of the Gypsy Joker Motorcycle Club, they're patched in and allowed to wear the Gypsy Joker patch on their leather motorcycle vest.
1: So I was kind of naive. I grew up on a farm in the country in a small town. I didn't know a whole lot about it. I knew what like biker gangs and clubs were, but I didn't know the whole ins and outs and working. I just know a lot of people were nervous around them and scared, but not growing up around the area, I guess
0: I was just a little bit more open to it. Haley didn't see the possible dangers associated with this club. All Haley saw was this handsome guy in front of her. He was warm. He was friendly. He was a gentle giant. Immediately, Haley knew that they had magnetic chemistry, and their relationship became more and more intimate. They spent multiple nights per week together, and Haley was even invited to club activities too. But she learned quickly that there would always be things that Chad would keep close to the vest, no pun intended. Haley grew curious about Chad's life but he made it clear that it was better not to ask questions.
1: I was told it was smarter not to. They don't like people who talk a lot because people start talking. They start knowing things or start sharing things. I knew absolutely nothing. Zero. I barely knew what he did for the club. I just knew that sometimes he handled part of the money because they didn't have a treasurer anymore. I didn't know what any of their jobs were inside the club or outside the club. I didn't know anything about their personal life. I knew their government names because I was close to him, but I never called them by them. It was always the club names. Club names versus government names. This one's
2: easy to explain. People don't want to use their legal names for their club business. Most members went by nicknames. And here are some examples that we pulled from the court documents. Fat Jack, Joker Jeff, or Full Throttle Ron. Don't want to be Fat Jack. I mean, (laughs) Full Throttle Ron is cool. You definitely want to be full throttle, Ron, in this situation. Yeah. So it's clear how clubs and cults share tactics. The purpose here is to erase personal identity and tie the member's identity to the club.
0: And Haley at Chad at this point, were getting closer and closer. This relationship was going full throttle, just like Ron. (laughs) And Chad began taking Haley with him on runs, which were club errands, which were required of members. She started to feel like a literal ride or die, which like we say, can be very intoxicating. But despite the comfortable routine that she was falling in with Chad, she could feel the underlying pressure of the club's rules.
1: I was very entranced by the whole thing. I mean, there's things you could and couldn't do. There was rules. I mean, they could put you in your place. Like, I don't know, you had all this power. They have this organization. It's dangerous. Like, you know, I saw sons of anarchy. And that's the worst thing you could compare them to. It was the allure. It was like super sexy. I took it by the horns and like wrote it out.
2: <laughs> Haley wrote it out, theoretically
1: and literally. They went on a lot of poker runs and just different motorcycle runs around the country. They would take off as a group and say they had to go take care of club business. And then next thing I knew, they would just be back. So I had zero idea what was going on. And I was smart enough. To know it was in my best interest not to ask. (laughs) If you know something, you don't know anything.
2: These sort of cryptic phrases helped to maintain order within the club and also acted as a means to ostracize club associates to some degree. And while none of this kept Chad and Haley from getting closer, she could sense that there would always be things that she'd be walled out from.
1: We spent a lot of time together, but I didn't know him on a personal level outside the club to an extent. Like, we could talk. But he told me a little bit about his history when he was in the military.
0: And I I met his kids. I knew about his family who lived in the area. But what Haley could know was limited. She could only get so close. She got to know Chad within his club persona pretty well. In fact, she became a regular at the Gypsy Joker Clubhouse. She went on runs, and most of the members got to know her pretty well. Haley even had the opportunity to meet the partners of the other members at the clubhouse at Ladies' Night. Not like they were so thrilled to have a new gal around.
1: I met some of the old ladies, their wives, girlfriends, other dancers they would bring home from bars just for the fun. The women don't like you much. They don't really interact with each other a whole lot unless you've been around for a while. And if you're not part of the inner circle already, then they generally don't like you.
2: Being allowed at the Gypsy Joker Outlaw Clubhouse was a big deal. And it was at this point that Haley began to understand the written and unwritten rules. In fact, they even had some of the more palatable ones posted on the wall of the clubhouse. Haley remembers it well.
1: There were club rules that I can't really repeat without, you know, somebody trying to potentially come find me for, you know, club rules are secret. They were listed inside the building. Some basic ones that I couldn't do was go inside the clubhouse without another member. I wasn't allowed in the meeting area where
0: they had church. I couldn't go behind the bar without permission. Okay, so Haley just referred to not being allowed in the meeting area where they had church. So what is church exactly? So every Friday night, Members gathered at the clubhouse for what they called the club's church meetings. Church is basically where they discussed, negotiated, and voted on official business. This organization was not a rookie one. They owned property. They ran complex and profitable organizations. They nominate and vote in new members and beyond. Church is where hearings were held, where decisions were made, and sometimes even where fates were sealed. Haley and Chad were spending multiple days per week together at this point. Wednesdays for
2: ladies' night, Fridays after church, and then sleepovers and errands in between. And although Haley was falling for him and they continued to get closer, she knew on some level that the club would always come first. However, Haley was human, so when her inhibitions were lowered, her emotions had the ability to take over. And she recalls one situation clearly.
1: One time I was staying at his place. I had just come home from working and I was a little bit more intoxicated staying at his place and he was at the clubhouse taking care of work business whatever they were doing and I was calling him and blowing up his phone acting disrespectful pretty much just running my mouth about why aren't you here you're never here like you said you would be you know back to your house and thinking back on that that was the worst thing I prob- like, probably could have ever done <laughs> I one was being disrespectful to talking back to somebody while they were at the club, you know? I mean, just him alone coming back to talk to me and being nice about it was luck on my part. He could have brought multiple people back.
0: This argument would definitely cause a rift between them.
1: Pretty much after that, like that night, we had like a month break where we just didn't talk.
0: Chad and Haley didn't speak for a month following that argument, but eventually they gave in. You know how that goes.
1: And then it was like, oh, I miss you. I miss you too, Whatever.
0: After this argument and subsequent rekindling, Haley and Chad were close for the months that followed. But then something happened. Something subtle that Haley couldn't quite put her finger on. And out of nowhere, the relationship kind of fizzled out.
1: I went up to Washington to the clubhouse up there with them for like one last trip. And then after that, it was just like a cutoff. Like I didn't hear from them again.
2: And just like that, Chad was gone. And what made it worse is that Haley had no idea exactly why this relationship that had so much love fell apart. However, she did
1: have a theory. Maybe they thought I knew something or maybe they thought I was getting too close or maybe people started asking them questions about something and they didn't want me to find something out and start talking. I don't know. I thought back on it and it just anything I can come up with is that somebody was asking questions and they just
0: didn't need somebody else around in case something happened. Haley got it. She understood why this was happening. And on many levels, she knew it was for the best. This entanglement with Chad and with this motorcycle club was a phase. She didn't see this as her future. But this understanding didn't really soften the heartbreak at the time.
1: I went through an emotional time because, I mean, it was starting to show me a little bit more that they were about business. They had things to take care of. And the club was always more important than your personal or private life. And so I just figured I was just a casualty of all that. And I was sad for a while. I used to have journal entries and all this stuff. I I got rid of (laughs) after, you know, I kind of got over the situation. I was like, you know, I don't want these laying around. I don't want them in the wrong hands. I just don't want to look at it anymore.
2: Haley was hurt. She wrote in her journal and she worked through her feelings about everything. But like we said, Haley was smart and she knew that she could do better. And you know
0: what? She did. Because while the sting of heartbreak is always visceral and always agonizing, Haley, and by the way, every other woman listening, we can always do better if our partner blows it. So remember that. And we always have this ability to surprise ourselves with resilience. And that's exactly what Haley did. As time passed, she had fewer and fewer lingering thoughts of Chad and eventually hardly thought about him at all. But then... She was perusing social media one day. And that is always it, right? You're over Mm -hmm. somebody. You're not thinking about it. And then, hey, memories from last year. No, thank you. Yep. I was scrolling Facebook and a news article popped up and it was
1: something about Oregon biker gang racketeering. And I was like, what? So I read a couple of the names. I was like, oh my gosh, like I know these people. Then all of a sudden his name appeared in one of the articles and I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) What the
2: heck? This article reported that several members of the Gypsy Joker Outlaws, including Chad, were facing some serious charges. And these charges were not just about racketeering. They were also charged with murder. And the details of this crime were horrifying, including kidnapping, torture, and beyond. And it's hard for anybody to comprehend. So just imagine how Haley felt. It was not great. She'd worked really hard to move past this relationship and she'd done a great job doing it. And now she's just confronted with it all over again.
1: They kind of brought up like a lot of things. Like that was years ago we were together. Like I had tried to push it aside. I tried to forget about all that. Like I stopped dancing. I got, you know, a normal job. I moved to, like, the suburb side of town, got out of Portland, and then all of a sudden I'm reading these articles that's bringing all of this back with my
0: ex's name in it. Haley had removed herself from that entire setting. She reinvented herself and created an amazing life. And she was with a man she was madly in love with and who deserved her. Having to re-engage the memories with Chad was emotionally uncomfortable for obvious reasons, but it would go further once Chad's attorney made contact with her.
1: One day I got a voicemail from a private investigator and he said that he was researching a federal case on a Chad Erickson and he wanted me to give him a call back. I ignored it because I didn't know what to do. And then I was researching the case file some more on the news articles and I read who his lawyer was. So, I looked him up and I actually messaged him saying, "Hey." I don't know if anybody wants to speak with me. Like, this is my information. You can give me a call. So his lawyer ended up calling and emailing me about the case. And that's how I kind of got into it.
2: (laughs) And it was at this point when Haley talked to Chad's lawyer and learned the startling details about when the murder in question had occurred.
1: He said that, I'm glad you got a hold of me. We have a list of phone numbers. We pulled his phone records and we wanted to know if you recognize any of these phone numbers. So we started listing off all these phone numbers, so we got to one, I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's my old phone number. He's like, okay, well, apparently Chad called you that night, and we just wanted to know what it was about. Haley was shocked.
2: He called her the night he helped torture and kill someone?
1: He was like, can you tell me, like, the exact date? I don't know when any of this, like, exactly happened. And he said it was the night of June 30th to July 1st, and all of them immediately, the first thing I
0: did was start thinking back, like...
1: Did he ask me to meet the friend? Do I remember what I was doing? Do I remember why he would have called me or texted me around those dates?
0: Haley and Chad were dating when this murder occurred. Chad had even called her the night it happened. Even crazier, they had spent the next day and night together. And she had no idea. I bet you have a lot of questions. I get it. I did too. So you know the drill. We got to go back. So we're going
2: back to the summer of 2015. At the time, Haley was still in the throes of her relationship with Chad, the mysterious yet gentle member of the Gypsy Joker outlaws, or so she thought. She felt safe with Chad and didn't see herself as being in any danger because she knew the ground rules. She spoke when spoken to. She didn't ask any questions. Plus, she was generally likable, and even the Hyatt members liked her and engaged with her when she was around she didn't see her proximity to them as dangerous.
1: I never felt anything different around him or around any of the other guys. I've met them. I went on poker runs with them. I hung out at their houses when they were there doing family stuff, you know, like we had pool days and other stuff like that. So it was just very normal. I never, ever got a hint from anybody that anything was different.
0: But the truth was these guys were different and they were dangerous too. The Gypsy Joker Outlaws were a highly organized criminal organization, and as we shared, the club had rules and a strict code of conduct, and a clear hierarchy. The punishment for violating any of the club's norms was always violence. In fact, members achieved and maintained their positions in the club by participating in various acts of racketeering activity. This includes murder, kidnapping, robbery, extortion, narcotics trafficking, and witness tampering. These activities got you clout, they got you power, and they earned you respect amongst other club members.
2: And while Haley knew some aspects of how this club was organized, at this time, she didn't understand the extent of the risk involved with her association with the club.
0: When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus, and I couldn't practice enough, and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally. First with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash first today.
2: month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com/degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
0: It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. the realreal.com. The realreal is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermès, Cartier, Prada, Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. To understand how everything unfolded from here, we need to introduce you to another member— the president of the Gypsy Joker Outlaws' Portland chapter. And of course, this is the chapter that Chad belonged to. And his name is Mark Denclough. Since 2003, Mark had been president of this chapter. He also oversaw several support clubs in Oregon. Support clubs refer to clubs that the Gypsy Joker
2: Outlaws are affiliated with. Support club members conducted criminal activities in support of the Gypsy Joker Outlaws and served as a source of new members and revenue for the club. Mark was grizzled and looked exactly like you'd expect a chapter president of a motorcycle club to look like. Haley had spent a lot of time around him.
1: Mark, he was funny. He was very, very, very cool to me. I was technically just like a ride along. I, I came with somebody who was in the club, so like I was a nobody to them, but he would talk to me. He respected me, never rude and never felt weird around him. Mark, he was, he, he
0: was fun. Haley had no idea that when she was dating Chad and hanging out with the other members like Mark, that there were actually some extremely intense and dangerous circumstances brewing just beneath the surface. Since 2014, there'd been tension within the club amongst members. And the root of this tension was the club's former treasurer and enforcer, a 56-year-old Robert Huggins. Robert's club name was Bagger Bobby. Not so bad. You're still not fat, Jack. Bagger Bobby's not terrible. What do you think? I mean, it's not the worst, but it's not, it's not great. Yeah. Well, Robert had been a longstanding and well-respected member of this club. That was until he broke one of the organization's cardinal rules. He got addicted to heroin and you know, the rule, no intravenous drug use. Exactly. So this was Huggins' first strike. He then exploited his role as
2: treasurer and access to the club funds when he stole money to fuel his drug habit. That's a big no-no. Once these revelations were made, Chapter President Mark Denklau led
0: the members in confronting him. Huggins was pulled from his home in the middle of the night, and he was driven to the clubhouse. There, he was so badly beaten by members, and they demanded that he repay the money he stole. It's unclear whether he ever gave them the cash, but that night, the members seized his vehicle, a Dodge Durango, and they also took his motorcycle. It's unclear whether this was to pay back the debt or some to add insult to injury, but they took his vehicles and beat him up pretty badly. From that point forward, Huggins was stripped of his patches. He was ostracized by the club, He was out. The times I've
1: ever heard of anybody pissing off somebody in the club or breaking a rule or not doing what they're supposed to, they get a green light, which is basically if anybody sees them, you can beat them. Like, you can jump them, you can do whatever to get your revenge on that part. That's all I ever knew that they did. You know, I've heard stories. (laughs) I was thankfully never around for any of that because I probably would have ran forever.
2: So Huggins was out of the club, and that probably should have been the end of it. But as you probably guessed, it wasn't. We know that Huggins was an addict. But beyond that, he was also pissed about the punishment that he'd been
0: subjected to. And he wanted revenge. Right. And who would he exact that revenge on? The club's president, Mark Denclough. And this retaliation would seal his fate. With revenge on his mind, Robert Huggins broke into Mark's house. And unfortunately, someone was home. Mark's girlfriend. So Huggins tied her up, put a gun in her face and threatened her life. He then robbed and ransacked the club president's house. He stole a lot of stuff, including all of Mark's firearms. Why would Huggins do this? Knowing the possible retaliation is unclear.
1: All I could think of is the drugs. They said that he did it for drugs. So maybe he was just so far gone at that point, he didn't care anymore.
2: Disrespecting the chapter president to such a degree was a really fucking bold thing to do. And Mark was enraged, not only to have his thing stolen, but to tie up his old gal. This was not something that you did. And it wasn't something that he could tolerate and allow someone to get away with. So Mark demanded that the members find him. But there was a problem. Huggins was in the wind. He cleared out his old place and the members couldn't find him anywhere.
0: Yeah, and in fact, it took about a year for the members to zero in on where he was. And that brings us to the date in question, June 30th of 2015, when President Mark was notified that they had found Huggins' new address in Portland. So that very night, a handful of members, including the president and Haley's boyfriend at the time, took part in abducting Huggins from his home. Then in multiple cars, they caravan to a remote location in Woodward, Washington. Once they were there somewhere where no one could hear Huggins, they beat and tortured their former brother, club treasurer, and friend. Robert, he
1: had been a former treasurer, and this was part of the revenge, I guess. I don't know how long they'd been planning it, or if it was a spur of the moment, hey, I spotted him, let's go. I guess some of the guys went and grabbed him from wherever he was and dragged him out to the woods. After they were done torturing
2: Huggins, the members left him in a field. Loggers working in Woodward, Washington, discovered the battered body of Robert Huggins. He had sustained numerous injuries to his head
0: and face, including a fractured skull. Many of these injuries appeared personal and seemed to have been inflicted for the sole purpose of torturing him. This is graphic, so if you don't want to hear, fast forward 30 seconds. He had nails driven through his feet. He had slash wounds to his face and back. His club tattoos had been slashed to the point of non-recognition, his teeth were missing, and both of his nipples had been removed. A horrible, terrifying death at the hands of his own former friends. Luckily, the police were able to identify Huggins quickly using his gang tattoos. Apparently, the members hadn't sufficiently disfigured them.
1: No, he did not deserve to die. No, he did not deserve to be tortured. But coming from these guys' point of view, he was stealing from the club. He, you know, tied up the president's girlfriend and robbed him. I don't know what else I could have expected them to actually do
0: now that I'm thinking back on it, you know? None of this is okay, but it makes you wonder, had Huggins himself participated in this kind of thing before, inflicting pain and suffering and punishing other treacherous members in the past? After all, he had been referred to as one of the club's enforcers. Is this just the culture of this gang? And you have to expect that if you do something like this, this could happen to you. Joining the Gypsy Joker Outlaws you kind of know there's violence involved. These are all complicated questions and points of discussion, though. Regardless, no one deserves what he experienced. The discovery of Huggins' body would not be the only thing that occurred the day after Huggins was
2: killed. It was also ladies' night at the Gypsy Joker Outlaw Clubhouse, and of course, Haley attended with Chad. And the other members who participated in the murder were there, too. And you know what? Everybody had a great time even though they had just tortured and killed their former friend just hours before. That's the part that just really blows Haley's mind, because she didn't pick up on anything. So what exactly was Chad's role in this slaying?
1: I read at different points that my ex just watched. I read at one point that he has actually cut off Robert's nipple, which is so, so hard to believe. They, They basically tortured him, and it sounds like he was alive for a while. And they just dumped him in a field and left him to be found. I I don't know. That's just so hard to believe that people can do something like that.
2: Haley continued her relationship with Chad for several months following the murder, and she remained blissfully ignorant to it. Nine months after the relationship began, her journey through this intoxicating world finally came to an end.
0: And meanwhile, a multi-agency investigation was going on behind the scenes, The Gypsy Joker outlaws were very much already on law enforcement's radar before the discovery of Huggins' body. And they were going to seize the opportunity to implicate as many members in this criminal activity connected to it as they could. The police uncovered surveillance footage where they could
2: see the men dragging Huggins into a vehicle. The police tracked the Chevy Suburban that was used to abduct Huggins to an auto detailing shop. And luckily for them, they were still able to find traces of Huggins' blood in the vehicle.
0: While law enforcement probably had enough evidence to arrest the members for Huggins' murder shortly after it occurred, they wanted to charge them for their broader criminal activity that went beyond the crimes inflicted on Huggins. By 2018, six people associated with the Portland chapter of the Gypsy Jokers, including Chad, were arrested in connection with the brutal slang and with activities beyond. And in a show of solidarity, about a dozen Gypsy Jokers associates and supporters lined the
2: benches of the courtroom in the arraignment. And by this point, Haley was in contact with Chad's lawyer, and she was still grappling with the news of what he stood accused of.
0: It was confusing. Haley had once cared about this guy, so part of her wanted to hold out hope that perhaps he was innocent of these horrific crimes. Remember, she saw him the day after this happened, and he acted completely normal, which is another confusing aspect for her. After speaking to Chad's lawyer, Haley was compelled to try to help. After all, wasn't it possible that Chad really hadn't been involved? I was like, well, what if I could do something to help? They said that he called me that
1: night. And so I actually ended up giving my old cell phone I still had in my memory box. It was all wiped because I got scared after we stopped talking. I was like, I don't want any information on these people on my phone. So I deleted it. I didn't factory wipe it. So I gave it to his lawyer and he sent it off. To be recovered, and they found old pictures and texts between us. So I was still kind of like nervous and scared. That's why I went out of my way to get the phone and search for it and see if I had anything because he was always nice to me. Like, even if I had a little bit of attitude, you know, it was never a thing to set him off. Like, he was always so easygoing. And so I was like, well, you know, if his lawyer's getting a hold of me, obviously, yes, he's there to represent him. So he may have done it, but if he didn't, and I have this one thing that could help, I want to give it to him.
2: And although Haley was trying to help, it wasn't easy. By this point, she had realized the kind of danger she had been in while they were together.
1: So I was completely conflicted, and I still kind of am. I'm working through my emotions on this one. Some days I think I know how I feel, and other days I'm like, why would you feel like that? This is how you should be feeling. Almost like imposter syndrome, telling myself how I should be. When I first found out, I was shocked. Then I was scared. I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, I was around these people during this, and I had no clue, like, what could have happened to me if I had said the wrong thing. Like, we had a very comfortable relationship. I could be mouthy, I could say whatever I wanted, but what if, what if I had said the wrong thing? The court proceedings
2: connected to this case would be pretty massive and complex. Some members and associates who had been on the periphery of the criminal activity turned into state's witnesses. Some took plea deals, and we're not going to bore you with the minutiae of everything, but what we're going to focus on is Haley's ex, 51-year-old Chad Erickson, and the 59-year-old club president,
0: Mark Denclough. Chad and Mark were tried together, and they were both charged with murder and aid of racketeering, kidnapping and aid of racketeering resulting in death, kidnapping resulting in death, and conspiracy to commit kidnapping resulting in death. The six Gypsy Jokers expected to testify against them— pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit racketeering, and took lesser sentences before the trial began. And with all these cooperating witnesses, it really makes you wonder, you know, the loyalty of this club. What did it really mean? You know, um, it's, it's interesting dynamics here.
1: One of the guys involved, he turns government witness. And so he was pretty much giving the entire story of what supposedly happened and who was involved. So I guess when somebody does that, everyone else doesn't really have a chance if you have one person ratting everybody out.
2: And while telling the truth is certainly the more ethical thing to do, becoming a rat when you're affiliated with a biker game is an extremely dangerous thing to do, too.
1: That is probably the worst idea you could do, especially if you were involved in a club to begin with. Rats in general usually end up on the bad side of things in prison. A rat from a biker game? I would be terrified if I was him. I would not sleep at night.
0: The prosecutor opened the trial by presenting the national president's heavy black leather gypsy joker motorcycle jacket as evidence described how members wear the diamond-shaped patch with a 1% on it. The old saying is that 99% of motorcycling world is law-abiding. This group embraces being part of the 1% who do not follow society's rules, and they wear a patch that says as much. The star witness in the case against
2: Chad and Mark was a 34-year-old named Tyler Pribernow. He was an Iraq veteran and a meth addict. And Tyler confessed to delivering the fatal blows to Huggins with a baseball bat. He described how the abduction and murder unfolded and referred to the whole
0: event as Mark's show in reference to the club president. And while Chad did not testify, Mark would ultimately take the witness stand. He denied being present when Huggins was killed, claiming to be partying at strip clubs on the night in question. He also lashed out against the former members who testified against him, referring to them as liars. Other testimony
2: indicated that Huggins' killing was never intended to reach its gory end. Some said that things just went too far. And when all was said and done, everyone involved was told to burn the clothes that they were wearing when the murder occurred.
0: As far as Chad's role in the crime, prosecutors allege that Chad Erickson used a hooked knife to cut an X in Huggins' chest. Others testified that Chad punched Huggins with his fist— helped waterboard him, and stabbed Huggins in several locations. Chad's lawyer claimed that he wasn't aware of the kidnapping
2: at all. He met the members at the location where Huggins was ultimately taken, tortured, and killed. His attorney admitted that Chad stood by and watched while it all happened, but he didn't partake in the killing itself, claiming that he was frozen or paralyzed by his loyalties to the club or his fear. And his lawyer claimed that Chad didn't join the Gypsy Jokers to commit crimes, but saw it as a substitute of sorts for his military experience. Since Chad had been a sergeant in the U.S. Army, the club offered a sense of camaraderie and loyalty to him. And his lawyer further argued that Chad played a lesser role than the others, and also that he suffered from reduced ability, substantial brain injuries, early dementia, and PTSD after military service in Iraq.
0: And testimony in the trial went beyond the violence that Huggins experienced. More than 80 people testified, several of which detailed witnessing varying degrees of physical harm being inflicted on club members and club associates. One member had hit someone over the head with a crescent wrench, which is a giant tool. Another man had his teeth knocked out with brass knuckles. Another was hit over the head with a sap weapon. A female associate was beaten, had her head slammed on a curb, which caused her to lose consciousness to not have a pulse. She had to be brought back to life by police and EMTs when they responded to a 911 call. Another female associate was badly assaulted when a gypsy joker outlaws thought she was disrespecting them by dancing with members of the Mongols Motorcycle Club. So this is all important because they just don't hit and assault and kill and beat up men. Women are vulnerable to this kind of violence too if you're on the periphery of the Gypsy Joker outlaws. And this is the kind of stuff that terrified Haley to realize. Oh yeah.
1: That's just that one moment that I ever thought about that I had
0: potentially like
1: messed up and that could have been horrible for me. I could have got a green light, you know, I could have been jumped or beat just for running my mouth like that, but it never happened, thankfully. And that part of that is why it was just so hard for me to believe looking back because I only witnessed the nice parts of things <laughs> if there are any considering it's a class. Whether it's a PTS moment where something happens or like a group of bikes are coming down the highway and I'm like, oh crap, and like I just start thinking back to things. I have a little bit of PTSD from it, a lot of flashbacks and anxiety and I don't know, it's, it's just hard, <laughs> hard to think about what could have happened if I had said or done the wrong thing.
2: When all was said and done, Chad Erickson was convicted of murder and kidnapping in aid of racketeering, conspiracy to kidnap, and kidnapping resulting in death. He was found not guilty of engaging in a racketeering conspiracy. Mark Denclough was convicted of the same things as Chad.
0: Two members of the Gypsy Joker Outlaw Motorcycle Club have been sentenced to life in federal prison. They're convicted of kidnapping, torturing, and killing former member Robert Huggins in Clark County back in 2015, Portland Club president Mark Denklau and member Chad Erickson were convicted in December in a list of charges, including murder and aid of racketeering. In
2: 2018, former president Mark tried to have one of the cooperating witnesses killed while they were behind bars, instructing the hit to appear as though it was in self-defense. The charges stemming from that are still working their way through the court system, but he was already in prison for life, so there was nothing really stopping him from committing more crimes behind
0: bars. By the time the trial was over and all was said and done, Haley had a lot to reflect on. She realized that to some degree, even though she felt she loved Chad at the time, she never really knew him.
1: It's so crazy how so many people know of them or who they are or might know them personally, but don't know what they do. You can know these people, but not know them. And that's
0: scary. Although some of the realizations were difficult, Haley learned a lot through this experience.
1: Do your research. You know, if something seems too good to be true, or it's something you don't know a lot about of that seems exciting, listen to the people around you. If they act nervous around somebody, but you're not seeing that, there, there might be a reason, you know? TV is a lot different than real life. I got lucky. I was young and naive, and I know a lot better now. But not everything's as exciting as it seems. Real life isn't gangs and clubs and motorcycles.
2: Well, a huge thank you to Haley for being our First Degree guest for this episode. If you're listening and you have a story to tell, please email us hello at firstdegreepodcast.com, Follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group, and a reminder that we have our Patreon that is delivering all this fun bonus content to you every single week. And check back tomorrow because we'll have a brand new episode of Killing Time right in your
0: feet. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. And keep your friends close. But not that close. We did it. Happy Nut Day. nuts. And what was the other one? Watermelon Day. Watermelon Day. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring original music for The First Degree, producing by Caitlin Cleveland. Research and writing for this episode was done by yours truly. Sources for this case include court documents, Oregon Live, The Spokesman, the FBI, Justice.gov, Coin News, the DOJ, The Statesman Journal, The Daily Beast, and as always, our 1st three re-guest is always our largest source. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcast for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.